Tonight, I'm going to talk about waiting to the power five. Those of you who don't understand what the power is, then we explained it on Monday. Waiting to the power five. What do they have? Yeah. Remember our golden text is James 5, 16. Confess your faults one to another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The second part, earring, the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man does what? I can't hear you tonight. Does what? The NIV says, therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective. Say, my prayer, my prayer. is powerful and effective. Amen. Say it with me. The prayer, the prayer of a righteous person righteous. is powerful, powerful. and effective. Amen. Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, neighbor. Don't, look don't look around as to who is righteous. Who is righteous. You are righteous are. because Christ makes you righteous. So tell them, neighbor, neighbor. Your, prayers your prayers are powerful, powerful. and effective. Believe that, Bazalwan. Huh? Believe that. Believe. Your prayers are what? Powerful. And let's go to the Amplified Bible. We'll just read the second portion. The earnest, heartfelt, continued prayer of what? Tell your neighbor, you are the righteous person. We're not talking about anybody else but you. Read it with me, Irene. The earnest, heartfelt, continued prayer of a righteous... Does what? Makes tremendous power what? In other words, that power was there latent. That power was there hidden. That power was there in hibernation. That power was there, yet not manifested. And so, when you started praying, that power came into action. That power was activated. That power was, was made available. So the power is there, but until you pray in a heartfelt way, in an earnest way, and you pray in a continued fashion, then the power is not released. So we understand we've got power. We've got power that we're not using. The earnest, heartfelt, continued prayer of a righteous man does what? It does what? Makes. And then what? Dynamic in its work. In other words, God's power will always fit every given situation. If it was, if it was electricity, if you want 9 volts of power, you get 9 volts. If you want 12 volts, God will give you 12 volts. If you want 250 volts, God will give you 250 volts. It is dynamic. It becomes right for the situation. Any situation, God's power is available. Can I hear an amen? Can I hear an amen? And so, tonight, I want to talk about waiting to the power five. So five weights that I'm going to talk about that we need to learn as a praying people. 
There are several words in the Old Testament that speak about waiting, even in the New Testament. And I'm not going to go into many things tonight. I want to go straight into it. The first wait, and I, oh, maybe, maybe before. And all these waitings or waits, I'm going to present them in incremental measure. In other words, one leads to the other. And you can't have the other if you didn't do the former. And they climax with the fifth one. So it's like a build-up. You remember what I showed you yesterday? When we started praying, you all looked so tired. Some of you were yawning. I saw you. Particularly this side. I won't say anybody in the front row, but particularly this side. Oh, yeah. But as we pressed into the presence, what happens? The atmosphere changed. You moved into another dimension to an extent that yesterday we had a service after the service. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Even after we closed, the, 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 there was a, there's a, almost half the auditorium, if not three quarters of the auditorium, people remained. They wouldn't go. They were busy singing Malibu. They didn't want to go. But these are the same people who were yawning when we started. <laughs> I'm trying to show you how you can transition from allowing your body to, to rob you of moving into a deeper level with God. Too many people is their physical body that is a, a veil. You see, when Jesus died on the cross and the veil was torn, not only was it a sign of the presence of God coming out of the closet, but the veil for a long time and in many instances speaks about the physical body. If there's one thing that prevents us from entering into the fullness of the presence is our physical body. If you allow your body to control you, if you allow your body to talk to you, so what happens? When you try to pray, you feel tired. You try to read the Bible, you feel exhausted. So what happens? The veil must be torn for the glory to be revealed. Many people haven't learned how to do that in their prayer, so they pray only for five minutes, for ten minutes. And you know that it's more harder to pray for five minutes than it is for an hour. Some of you miss that. Because what happens is almost like when a plane flies, we are told that with the with the with the, uh, uh, the jet fuel that it carries, almost 50% of the fuel that it carries gets burned on takeoff. Yeah, almost 50%. Because taking off is so hard. You have to deal with so many things. But the plane will fly to what they call a cruising altitude. Once you reach cruising altitude, you are at your highest point, you are flying, Mario, you are using less effort. Ah, you're not hearing what I'm saying. So, so, so when we start praying, the first few minutes, sometimes it's 30 minutes, sometimes it's an hour usually, you, you are still taking off. I saw that when I started learning how to pray at Bible school for four hours. There was time when we would pray for four hours nonstop with my friend Kenneth. And the first hour was the most horrible. Because I was still taking off. But then I reached cruising altitude. And when you reach cruising altitude, you just keep on praying. It's just a matter of when do you decide to stop. 
It's almost like when you're running. Those of you who run marathons, I'm not saying you can't, you can't run forever. But those first few minutes when you're on training is the hardest. But then you get to a point where you are in cruising mode. You are in rhythm. As long as you don't cramp up, you don't get injured. As long as you've eaten right and you know what to do, you can keep going until the finish end. There are people who don't have stamina in prayer. Because they don't know how to break through that first time when they are climbing. See, you... Yeah, you, you got to leave the world and go up into the heavenlies. But as you climb, you are using so much jet fuel. But when you get to the heavenly of heavenlies and the, and the, and the spiritual realm, you just get into cruising altitude. And yet, in cruising altitude, you are covering more distance. You are going farther with less effort. Ah, you are not hearing what I'm saying. You are covering distance. You are crossing over oceans. You are crossing over countries. But using less, less jet fuel, Mara, your, your effectiveness is more. I'm looking forward to that time when people can be like that. And, and, and if you are a praying person, you find just when you come into your prayer meeting, when they say, let's pray, you come to a time where it doesn't take long to get to the cruising altitude anymore. How refellow solida. So the first waiting. The best passage that describes this is Exodus 24. Where God told Moses to go to the mountain of God and he would give him the laws and the commandments. Now note, Moses went to the mountain with Joshua. Look at verse 12, 4, uh, Exodus 24 rather, verse 12 to verse 14. Then the Lord said to Moses, come up to me on the mountain and be there. Watch this now, you're going to see something that you've read, you may never have seen it before. Eh? Some people, they were asking me, Mara, which Bible do you read? I said, the same one you read. Mara, Mara, why don't you Okay, well, when God has anointed you as a teacher, you can see. It's not, it's not, it's not the, it's the anointing. May God give you that anointing. Sometimes as I study other people, you hear them talk about it. Utaring says, go to the mountain and be there, and I will give you tablets of stone and the law and the commandments which I have written that you may teach them. So God gave them the law, the commandments. It was almost like the constitution, the guidelines, the dipitang, the procedures manual. It covered everything what Moses got. It wasn't just about God. It was about relationships, what they are supposed to eat, how they are supposed to rest, how they must relate with their neighbor. It was everything that God gave him. So here we are. Moses get to the mountain. No, here's the part you didn't see. So, he, so Moses arose with his assistant Joshua and went up to the mountain of God. So Moses now is on the mountain there of God. But most people don't realize that uh, 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 Moses spent... Sorry, yeah. Moses came up on the mountain and he waited there and for six days God didn't talk to him. That's the part you didn't know. Let me show you. Go to verse 15 with me. It says, then Moses went up into the mountain and a cloud covered the mountain. So figure it out. Here's Moses. He's on the mountain. There's the cloud. He's standing next to the presence of God. Right? 
He sees where the cloud is. God's not allowing him to go into the cloud. God's not, all God told him is come up here. He gets there with Joshua and he's waiting. He can see the presence. God's not saying anything. Six days he's waiting. See, even hectic. Watch, 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 watch. Verse 15. Then Moses went up into the mountain, and a cloud covered the mountain. Verse 16. Now the glory of the Lord rested on Mount Sinai, and the cloud covered it six days. So for six days, Moses is standing there with Joshua. God's not saying anything. Remember, ne? there's no mall there. They didn't bring patkos with them. Ne? So imagine, ne? they get hungry. They get tired. God's not saying anything. That's a problem with some of us. We don't know how to wait. If there's one thing we must teach this generation is to know how to wait. All the people who serve in our church, one of the things I'm training them the most is to know how to wait. If you serve somebody, you must know how to wait for them. They mustn't wait for you. You must wait for them. If, if you're going to pick somebody up, take them somewhere, you must know, you must, they mustn't be finished before you come. Oh, generation, you're already objecting. What about my rights? Your rights are fair. You must learn how to wait. See, that's why, you see, when, people, when it comes to God, people don't know how to wait. Let me show you this. So here it is, Pastor. Joshua has gone with Moses. This is so important. Now note, verse 15. Then Moses went up into the mountain, and a cloud covered the mountain. Now the glory of God rested on Mount Sinai, and the cloud covered it six days. Now, if you look at this, this is so opposite with the way Moses started his ministry. When he started in Egypt, he was such a hurried person. He knew God had called him. When he saw an Egyptian abusing an Israelite, it's not, it's not the same Moses anymore. He was in a hurried manner. He killed one of the Egyptians in an attempt to hurry God's intervention of justice. But God intentionally kept Moses in Egypt for 40 years, kept him in the desert of Midian for 40 years to teach him one thing. If you're going to walk with God as a servant of God, if there's one thing you must learn as a minister of the gospel and as a servant of God and as a child of God is to know how to wait. I tell you. Some of you are not clapping. Look at your neighbors not clapping and say, I know why you're not clapping because oh, Jahile, too much. Anybody that God has ever used to do great things is someone who has learned to wait patiently on God. Who knows to wait not only on God, but on God's timing. So here we are. Joshua, at this time, he's not leading. He's just the assistant of Moses. But he is learning a valuable lesson sitting next to his leader. Both of them are waiting for six days. Now, if it was other assistants, he would have said, I have things to do. You called me here. You are supposed to be leading. You are not saying anything. We don't know where this church is going. We don't know where this ministry is going. We don't know what's going on. Yeah. And there's people who have, who have left what God has placed them in. 
They were in a hurry to be the leader. They were in the hurry to sing. They were in a hurry because the leader is quiet, not saying anything, they left. I've seen people just live like that. They were in a hurry. So after waiting for six days, God finally <laughs> commands Moses to come into his presence all by himself and leave Joshua behind. Now this is important, Bazalon. I've always asked myself, Aaron was the assistant of Moses. But when Moses died, Aaron never took over. I've always asked myself, I'm being honest, you know, now he puts out this question. I know maybe, maybe Luna Laibala felt like Bible Lafita. Namaraki Abuzara Mara Mara why? Aaron, I'm teaching you something. Aaron, as he served his leader, or rather Joshua, as he was just a servant, learned what makes Moses the leader he is. The behind-the-scenes disciplines of waiting, faithfulness. Joshua would be there in the background. So he's watching. Okay, let's go on. Let's go on. Verse 6b, second part of verse 6. It says, and on the seventh day, God called Moses out of the midst of the cloud. On the seventh day. Six days, Mudimu two, You are there next to the power. You can see the power there. Mudimu said two. Not saying anything. I'm talking about waiting. When you come into the presence of God and, 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 and you are praying and God's not saying anything. Some of you, because you're in a hurry, you go and organize yourself a prophet. Look at your neighbor and say, Yeah. And I've realized, myself, it is in those waiting times where you can be susceptible to error. And it is in those waiting times where Satan is a master at sending people who have a word from you that doesn't come from God at all. Salo apply for a job, they are not responding. Salo start something, it's not It's just a period where you're just waiting. You know you've done all the right things, you know it's God's will, but heaven is quiet. That's the time in my life I've seen some prophets have come my way. Who were prophets of doom, but so do doom. I mean, <laughs> they, were, they were prophets who don't tell the truth. And they came with a word. They can prophesy you out of God's will. Prophesy you into a hurry. Into a hurried spirit. Yeah. So on the seventh day, God called Moses. So he went into the mist, verse 18. And went up into the mountain, and Moses was on the mountain for 40 days. Think about this, guys. Think about this. Six days, God never said anything. Now he's in there, and the total of time he was on the mountain was 40 days. So it means for 34 days, Moses is with God. Joshua is left alone. One month. I can see some of you. you, you some of you, you, would never, you wouldn't even last one day. One month. Moses is gone. He's up on the mountain. He's talking to God. He goes into the cloud 34 more days. Joshua is left there for a month all by himself wondering what's going on inside the cloud. However, Joshua learned to wait. 
Because later on, when the law was given and the commandment received and Moses had come back from the mountain, the presence of God was so strong. Now watch this. After God had given the commandments, watch this, Pastor Dan. After everything's done, Israel, everything is going on well, then things change. The law they have, the, the people are running, they're in their land, they're in their country. So now they built a tent now and they put the Ark of the, they put the, Ark of the Covenant in the tent. So now... Moses now goes into the presence of God in the tent and Joshua says, oh, you can't leave me behind. I'm coming with you. I know I can't go inside, but I'll wait outside. What's this, Pastor Dan? So when Moses has gone into the presence of God and he's finished what he's doing, as he leaves, Joshua says, no, I'm not leaving. I'm staying. As a leader, he has learned one of the most valuable lessons. He has learned the value of staying and waiting in the presence of God. Because if a leader doesn't learn that, or if a child of God doesn't learn the value of staying in the presence of God, you're going to lose out so much in your life. Look at Exodus 38, verse 8 to verse 11 in the NIV. It says, whenever Moses went out of the tent, all the people rose and stood at the entrance of their tents, watching Moses until he entered the tent. As Moses went into the tent, the pillar of cloud would come down and stay at the entrance while the Lord spoke with Moses. Whenever the people saw the pillar of cloud standing at the entrance to the tent, they all stood and worshipped, each at the entrance to his tent. The Lord would speak to Moses face to face as a man speaks with his friend. Then Moses would return to the camp, but his assistant Joshua, the son of Nun, did not leave the tent. He's learned, he's learned to wait. If you're going to be any leader of any substance, if you don't build into your life the discipline of waiting in the presence of God, you'll never maximize in your leadership. I'm so glad that in my early days in 1979, I got into the hands of Young people like me who were at school who taught me the value of waiting. Like you've heard me talk about them. Figi Lentansi, Zueli, and, 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 and Muruti Kenneth. Muruti Kenneth, during lunchtime, before we started praying together, go, go the home here, we used to go out in the field. You know, that's why it doesn't sound well. Goes ganging. <laughs> Those of you who know Rockville, there's a place more about, is it a cricket stadium now? What is it there? There's an area here, cricket, eh? rugby or whatever. There's an area there that was not built up peel. We used to go into that ganga. You know, we would walk from Skanontwana, walk all the way, get into this ganga, and we would pray. I mean, when we started, I used to, I used to think, and it was his suggestion, and my suggestion, of course, but as we went, I thought, hey. We'd go there, and imagine, but at lunchtime, other people, now we're waiting on God. So we'd pray. Little did I know there was an, an, an elderly man who used to stay across this ganga, who used to see us going cross ganging. And he was, very, he was wondering what we were doing in there. So out of curiosity, one day he came over to look at what we were doing. We were so caught up in prayer, we never even saw him. We were so lost in the spirit, we were praying so hard that we never saw him. So one day, 
With tears in his eyes, this man said, young guys, I don't know who you are. I don't know anything about you, but I want you to come and pray at my house. Yeah. The following day, I don't know where that old man is. I wish I knew where that elder The following day, we went to his house. I'm telling you the truth, Pastor. When we prayed, it felt like liquid fire is raining. I, I'd never felt that. It was such a presence. That old man, he fell on the ground, cried like a baby, repenting and asked God to forgive him of his sins. I was 18 years old at the time. I was not a pastor. So for me, already the, the, the discipline of waiting and the importance of waiting was so inscribed in me, so drilled into me, that even as I came in as a pastor, I want to always wait. Because I understand that the power of God or the pulpit is simply an extension of your prayer life. The pulpit is not a place to showcase your knowledge. It's not a place for you to shine because what you know. It's not a place for you to confuse people or mesmerize people. The pulpit is a place of life-giving. You know, when the disciples commented, when some disciples commented about Jesus, they said, when he spoke, didn't our hearts burn within us? When he preached, they said, his words are not like the Pharisees and the Sadducees. His words carry weight. We're going to talk about weight at the end. His words carry weight. And Jesus says, my words, they are spirit and they are life. See, when you're a preacher and you don't spend time waiting, your words will be nice words, but they will be empty. Yeah. And when you're a child of God and you don't spend time in the presence, waiting, have a lightweight. We'll talk about it at the end. But our ones are tonight, Huru, will be heavyweight. Yeah. Heavyweight. So remember we said this is incremental. So the first thing is to what? To wait in the presence of the Lord. Somebody say wait in the presence of the Lord. So Joshua learned how to wait. But secondly, he learned how to wait expectantly. So number two, waiting expectantly. Waiting expectantly. This type of waiting means waiting with a confidence trust. Watch this. As you are waiting there, you don't know what God's doing. You don't know why he's talking. He's not talking. You don't know what he's going to do, but you trust him with your life. And whatever God tells you, you rely on it even if it takes long. Even when he has told you to wait, you wait. Let me give you two examples, Bazalana, that's going to shock you. After Jesus was raised from the dead, the Bible tells us in Acts chapter 1 that he appeared to disciples and spoke to them. Look at Acts chapter 1, verse 1 to 8. The former account I bent all Theophilus of all that Jesus began both to do and teach until the day in which he was taken up after he through the Holy Spirit had given commandment to the apostles whom he had chosen, to whom he also presented himself alive, watch this now, after his suffering by many infallible proofs, being seen by them during 40 days and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. And being assembled together with them, watch this now, he commanded them. Somebody say he commanded them. Amen. Say it again. Amen. 
He commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to do what? Wait. To do what? Wait. I can't hear you. To do what? Wait. Now, he didn't say he suggested to them. And that's why our problem is we treat what God tells us as suggestions. That's the disrespect we have. When God has told us through his word, we treat it as a suggestion. We think we have an option. When God says thou shalt not murder, it's not a suggestion. When God says thou shalt not pinga, it's not a suggestion. Yeah. It's a commandment. But you see, we're living in a time when people treat what God says as a suggestion. So he speaks here and it gives them a commandment, not a suggestion. He says, go and do what? Are you angry with me? No. So why are you not answering me? He says to them, go and do what? Yes. Go and do what? Yes. Wait for what? Yes. Which what? Which he said you have heard from me. For John truly baptized with water, but what will happen to you? You shall be baptized with what? Yes. Yeah? Yes. So, so there they come together and whatever. Now, when Paul talks about this later, he adds more information than what we see in Acts chapter 1. Look at 1 Corinthians 15 from verse 3. He says, For I delivered to you, first of all, that which I received, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose again on the third day according to the Scriptures. And he was seen by Cephas, or Peter, then by the twelve. Watch this now. After that, he was seen by over 500 brethren at once. So which means when Jesus gave the commandment for them to go and wait in Jerusalem, he spoke to 500. He spoke to 500. He told 500, go and wait. But here's the tragedy. Acts chapter 1. Then they returned to Jerusalem from the mouth called Elevate, which is near Jerusalem, a Sabbath day. When they had entered, they went up into the upper room where they were staying. All those people there. Verse 14. These all continued in prayer, in one accord, and supplication with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and his brothers. And in those days, Peter stood up in the midst of the disciples, Altogether, the number of names was about 120. Jesus spoke to 500 to wait. Only 120 came. Yeah. There were 320 hectic ones. 380 hectic ones. Who, who didn't have the heart to wait. And because they didn't want to wait, they missed out on being filled with the Holy Spirit. I tell you. That experience in the book of Acts is one of the greatest things ever. Jesus spoke to 500. But only 120 showed up. It shows you we have, um, we're in the majority, we have people in, in, the, in, in, in God's kingdom who are a hurried spirit people. That's why I'm so excited about these prayer meetings, Bazalon. Because oftentimes, people come like this when you have a millionaire seminar. Yeah. Mara, when you say we have a prayer meeting, only a handful of people come. 
But thank God we belong to the 120 in Jesus' name. The question is, where was the other 380? They didn't know how to wait. Many people don't know how to wait. Look at Saul, Bazalon. Saul is doing well as a leader. In the early stages of his leadership, he's doing well. He's conquering, he's doing well. Finally, he does something great. He goes to the prophet Samuel. And Samuel says to Saul in Gilgal, he says to Saul, because Saul had come to him, he said, listen, we need to offer and sacrifice. Go to Gilgal and wait for me. I will come as a priest to offer sacrifice. Just wait. Everything is going well, Casol. Everything is going well in his kingdom. Everything is going well, but, but, but they tell him to wait. Go with me to 1 Samuel chapter 13. As for Saul, he was still in Gilgal, and all the people followed him trembling. He was doing very well. Verse 8. Then he waited seven days, according to the set time by Samuel. But Samuel did not come to Gilgal. And the people were scattered from him. So people started leaving. See, people are hectic. I want this to sink in, Bazalana. I just want to show you how our hurried spirit, God's not going to operate. He, God does not move you on demand. God is not a box office. God sets his own time. And you must wait for him. <laughs> Verse 9. So Saul says, bring a burnt offering and a peace offering here to me. What is he doing? He's doing the job of a priest and a prophet and he's not supposed to. Bazalana, you are not supposed to cross into the office that you have not been ordained for. Yeah. You can't do now because your pastor is delaying, then you start chairing the meeting in his absence. Why must you? You must wait. If he said I'm coming, he's coming. Wait. Oh, you don't like my sermon now, you. But, you know, but some of you, you just don't know how to wait. You don't know how to wait. So he says, bring me an offering. Bring a peace offering here. And you offer the burnt offering. Now it happened. Watch this. As soon as he had finished, Kurana Amy, just five minutes more. As soon as he had finished presenting the burnt offering, Samuel came. He's not late by one day. He's late just by a few minutes. Samuel came. And Saul went out to meet him, that he might greet him. And Samuel said, what have you done? Note, he, he said, when I saw that the people were scattering from me and that you didn't come within the days appointed and that the Philistines gathered together as Mishmach, then I said, the Philistines will now come down on me at Gilgal and I have not made supplication to the Lord. Therefore, I felt compelled and offered a burnt offering. Yeah. And someone said to Saul, you have done foolishly. You have not kept the commandment of the Lord your God. But you know, I, I, I get so concerned when I see in the body of Christ how people want to get into an office that God has not put them in. It so concerns me when I see people who want to take the simple gift of prophecy and operate like a prophet. 
See, the Bible says we can all prophesy. All of us here, and the word prophesy has got several meanings to it. One of them means to foretell. Foretelling and foretelling is not the same. Foretelling is you speak by divine inspiration to exhort, to comfort, and to encourage. That has got nothing to do with talking about the future. It's an exhortation. You say something that builds up, that encourages. You are prophesying. You are foretelling. All of us can prophesy. We can foretell. Sometimes harenka arfa testimony. We are prophesying. We, we are encouraging. We are lifting up, building up. We are not saying anything about the future. We are not telling anybody about their telephone number. And anybody upon whom the Holy Spirit abides, you will be inspired at times. To, to speak encouragement, not to talk about future. So what's happening today is people put themselves into the boots of prophets. They lock them in a school for two weeks and then they come out as prophets. People don't see the seriousness of crossing offices. I'm telling you. You don't want to stand in an office where you are not placed. These offices, they don't come by people entering you into a course. Pass after two weeks. That's not how it works. That's not how it works. It's a divine thing. That's why some of these people. There's no anointing here. Oh, you don't like my preaching, do you? You haven't realized, but you don't ever take on what God hasn't given to you. You don't cross offices. If God hasn't placed you in a thing, somebody said, if God hasn't set you, he will upset you. Mara, if God has set you, it doesn't matter how many people don't like it, there's nothing they can do about it. Yeah. But we live in a time of ambition. People think you can dream up anything. You can just dream up and want to be an apostle and because you think it, you can become. Not with God's offices. Maybe with other things. Maybe you can, other things you can train. Not with a calling. Not with a calling. Not with a calling. You don't just place the name of a prophet, place the name of an apostle, place the name of an evangelist, simply because your team, and, and some of you are seeing Yakaure, you start calling yourself by those names. And then people become high-minded, and then they want to get into that office when there's no fruit of that. And if you ever operate in the anointing of those offices, you can see when the anointing is not there. There's no anointing whatsoever. Look at the neighbor and say, even if you don't like his preaching, he's going to preach anyhow. Watch. Someone says to Saul, you have done foolishly. Don't do foolishly. Learn to wait for God's time. Learn to wait. You've done foolishly. You've not kept the commandments of the Lord your God which he commanded you. For now the Lord would have established your kingdom over Israel. Yeah? But now your kingdom shall not continue. Watch what he says. The Lord has sought for himself a man after his own heart. What is a man after God's own heart? A man after God's own heart is a person who will wait for God's timing. They are not interested in getting a title. 
They're not interested in brandishing what they can do. They're not interested in the glitz and the glamour. They are waiting to move as God tells them to move. Now, they are not in a hurry, Hubitua Bishop. They are not in a hurry, Hubitua Apostle. They are not in a hurry. You know, that when there's no fruit of that, it doesn't matter what people say. It's got nothing to do with what people say. But a man after God's own heart is somebody who moves by God's timing. You keep in step because you understand every assignment has got its anointing. You don't try to take on certain levels in the spirit. You know you can only take on certain levels of leadership by the anointing and the power of God. You know that if you are lightweight, you don't try to get into the ring with heavyweights. Look at him and say, even if you're not saying amen, he's going to preach anyhow. God says, I'm looking after a man who's after my heart, not just a man who's looking for a throne. Not a man who's looking for influence. But somebody who cares more about what they say and will establish that in waiting and they will not hurry through things under the presumption. Even if I didn't say, they will say it ahead of me. I try to teach people that lead with me. Don't try to put words in my mouth. Don't try to rush ahead of me. Don't try to preempt me. I'm not going to let that happen. I'm not going to let people influence me to doing something. I'm not going to. If I don't know what God is saying, I don't know. You must just wait. And, and don't say six months unfair feedback. I'm not going to do that. I'll do it when I'm ready. No, I've learned that. That's, that's how I did. I know some of you need six months targets, ten months targets. Right here, that's all. Now, but on top of that, I say, if God hasn't spoken after six months, we will extend another six months. There's no hurry here, Mohayim. Because I know if we start something and God is not in it, it's not going to work. Mara, if we start something and God, I'll come on, give God the glory tonight. Somebody give the Lord a shout tonight. Yeah. Yeah. Somebody say wait. wait. Tell your neighbor, learn to wait. Yes. Tell them even tonight you must wait. You mustn't go yet. You must wait. That leads me to the third point. We have three more to go. Third point. Waiting longingly. So we wait. Number one. Number two. Tell me what's number two. We wait expectantly. Number three. We wait longingly. In other words, you get to a point where you just want to be with God. And God wants to be with you. <laughs> you see, this is what we did when we started in the service. And I started on purpose. We were singing, we were worshiping, we prayed, we were singing. And the more we sang, the more our hearts went toward God. You just want to stay there. You don't want to go. Why? Because you, you, are, you are hungry. As the deer panteth for the water brooks, your, your soul longs. You, you wait longingly. Oh. Oh. You stay in the presence of God even if there's no prophecy. 
You see, some people come already say, who profit you, but tomorrow I'm And I'm telling people, listen, when the presence of God is here, we don't have to do any of that. Some of you, once the anointing, it's a my assets, and it's what I give my whole profit of. You can be in the presence of God where there's no word spoken. Just like lovers. Oh, you've never been in love. Maybe you must come for counseling. I must teach you. When you're in the presence of your loved one and you are in love, eh, eh, you can spend an hour on the phone saying nothing. One hour. We born at Amaya. We born at Amaya. Watch it. Yeah, yeah, fella. Data, yeah, 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 fella. Koko neng ba itasaka tuku tisa saka tuku saka. Saka tuku saka. Saka tuku saka. All they want is just to be together. Some of you haven't loved God so much just to want to be in His presence. No word spoken. You're not asking anything. See, some of you, once you get into the presence, you say, look, Opa, no, I just want to be with my lover. I just, just fella, hore fella, and, hey, hankara fella, hey, ukalipilu jampa. You are in the presence of God, and that's what I was trying to do earlier. And I'm trying to teach you, you play gospel music and let it envelope you. I mean, did you, did you hear when the instruments were playing? Wasn't there just something? You're just, you're, you're just, in, this, you're just in this glory, in this, in this presence. You, you don't want to go. You don't, you don't want it to stop. You, know? you, 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 you don't want to. You, you, you are just swimming in it. There's something about that presence. I'm telling you there's something about that presence. You're just in the presence of God. During, during your worship, you're just there playing gospel music and just waiting in the presence and and just praying in the Holy Ghost, you know. And you're not asking anything. There's no prayer item. You just want to be there. Yeah, in the presence of God. And preaching tapes. You are listening to the sermons that you like. You are just in the presence. It's been four hours. And it felt like four minutes. Data if a deal. And you've been with your lover. It's been four hours and you are not even aware. Because there's something about the presence of God. Can I hear an amen? You get so absorbed. In his presence, that time loses significance. Significance. See, some of you, that's the problem. You, you don't enjoy being alone. I like being alone. I love being alone because I, I can spend time in the presence of God. I, I've got a tape playing. I've got a CD playing. I'm, I'm reading the Bible. Come on. I am doing whatever. I'm, as I move from one room to another, I'm praying in other tongues. Just whatever. I just love being in the presence of God because I know 
that time in the presence of God is going to carry me through times of difficulty. Are you hearing what I'm saying? That time in the presence of God is going to adjust something on the inside of me that if I came in that room as a 1.2 car, and I'm moving in another form of power. These are times when I spend time like that. I know even when I stand to preach, the preaching is different. The anointing is different. The power is different. I know everything is different. I know even in my life, everything I guess I like to look officing is different. Even when I'm sitting in a meeting, there's something different about me. Even when I'm talking to people and witnessing, I see that same thing happening to you in Jesus' name. Woo! Waiting. Longingly. Look at Genesis 5. Oh, Jesus. Just pray in the Holy Ghost for a while, will you? Pray in the Holy Ghost for a while. Say, Hallelujah. All right, Bazalana, let's, let's continue. Let's continue. Just stay there, ne? just now. Genesis 5, 21. And Enoch lived 65 years, and he begat Methuselah. After he begot Methuselah, Enoch walked with God. 300 years. <laughs> Enoch walked with God. 300 years. And what happened? He had sons and daughters. So all the days of Enoch were 365 years. Watch this. Enoch walked with God and he was not for God took him. I mean, Mudimara, nah. The way I love you. God took him. It's only Enoch and Elijah. And maybe, and, and, well, Jesus rose from the dead. He, didn't, he died and rose from the dead. It's only, it's only Enoch and Elijah who were taken by Peter. Elijah and Otameleka Kuluyamul. V8 Yamulok. God loved them so. The, the only people God takes, God takes people who are alive. Took them. Yeah. God just loved the guy so much. as says, man. Gone. But he was in love with God. May we fall in love with God. You know, sometimes I get so concerned when I see some of you, we have to crank you up to raise your hands. We have to try and be emotional to get you to pray and sing and worship and give and come to church. Read your Bible, live right. And I say, you know, if you're not in love with God, you have to be so mechanical about your Christian life. You need so many boosters. You know. We need to inject you with the hormones that give you life. But if you are in love with God, it's almost second nature to read the Bible, pray, come to church. You just love being in the things of God. Some of you, you are not attracted to the things of God. And I can tell you why. Because 
You spend so much time in worldly things. Worldly music, worldly companions. You read worldly things. Everything, when you are with your friends, you are just talking about clothes, cars, everything. You only meet with God once a week. Otherwise, how that's it. That's the end of God. You just launch into. And then you come to church and then, and then you wonder why you you start you wonder why you are not connected. You wonder why when we are worshiping you are bored. You wonder why when we are kneeling down and crying. You, you wonder why now you are not sensing this thing. When we are preaching, even what you, it's nice notes, it's nice everything. Man, it's not translating into a different life. Just you don't, you don't love God enough. You don't love God enough. You don't love God enough. You must, you must love God. Yeah, I mean, I mean um, these things, you know, spend time in His presence. I tell you, ah, Jesus. Just spend, just, some of you just try one day. Just take one day off. One day off. No social media. You see, some of you, that's your problem. Warapela kamo kamo wa text. Warapela kamo kamo ke WhatsApp, ke Instagram. How, how do you focus? I don't mind Bazana keeping my phone off. I frustrate a lot of people because there's times when I don't answer my phones. When I'm praying, I don't want anybody phoning me. I have too much of an important appointment to be answering human beings. I don't want that. Spend time in, I tell you what, it's spending time in the press. I learned that, like I said, 1979 was one of the greatest turnarounds in my life when I learned what being in the presence of God can do. Yeah. And I tell young people, I was 18 years old. My testosterone was at an all time high. But for some reason, there was something greater than testosterone. There was a love greater than the love of a woman. I was attracted more to God than to a girlfriend. And it didn't matter to me. God was too much of my lover to me than to take time. You get so attached. I'm telling you young people, I'm telling you. I'm telling you, this is the only thing. The only thing, I'm telling you, the only thing that will save you from this world that will put a hook in you and destroy your life is to just fall in love with Jesus. I didn't say be antisocial. I didn't say don't go to school in case that's what some of you are hearing. I didn't say be funny. Be normal. Be hip. Be hop. Be whatever. Be young. Read the Bible, read the newspaper, go to school. Mara Tanduche Soman. Tanduche Soman. And let Jesus be greater than any boy or any girl or anything. Let Jesus be greater than that. Oh, can I hear an amen in the house? Let Jesus be greater than that. 
Serve Jesus with pride. Come to church with pride. Serve in church with pride. Serve God. Give God your body, everything about you. Give it to God and say, this is, this is, I am the temple of the Holy Ghost. My body is the temple of the Holy Ghost. I have no time for some boy to hold my body and handle my body. There's no girl. I am the temple of the Holy Ghost. I'm telling you, that's the only, only, only antidote that will help you to live straight. Love God. Before you go and see anybody, spend quality time with God. And during the day, have those CDs, have those, the podcast. Let it be on your cell phone. And I always walked with several books with me. There's a time when I used to commute by bus. I'd sit there and read some books. Christian books. Once a book goes. I want to go to the bus. 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 I just keep quiet and read my book. By the time we fit, and it's a good time, you know. It takes an hour, an hour and a half for public transport. By the time you get there, you finish a book. I used to finish so many books. By the time I got to work, I finished books and thankfully now when I go to work, first thing I do, I pray again. I tell you, two years I used to trans work and finance my studies. Yeah, fit like this two years ago. Come on, I've been built up. Go training. Go training. Sit in the train. Read. Yeah, everything. Love God. Love God. Wait how? Wait how? I'd like to have those weights. Number four. Wait. There's another word in the Bible. In Isaiah 40. And this one is wait until there's a braiding together. Let's see what he braids. Let's see what he braids. Yeah, there's a weight like that. Wait until there's a braiding together. That's what we find in Isaiah 40. He gives power to the weak. And those who have no mighty increases strength. Even the youths will fail. And the young men shall utterly fall. Next verse. But. Even if others fail. Even if others fall. Even others become weak. But. They. That wait. On the Lord. Shall do what? Shall do what? Keep that verse there. I want to break it down for you. The word wait in Hebrew, if you want to write it down, is the word Q-A-V-A-H. Pronounced kova. Q-A-V-A-H. Kova. 
That word is derived from the primitive root that means to bind together by twisting. Braids. When you wait in the presence of God, there's an intertwining of your spirit with God's spirit. There's a braiding, an interaction. You know, no wonder Jesus uses such intimate words when he talks about the presence of God. Very intimate. Very intimate. And I know in our culture, it's about Ibuwa, but Jesus was intentional. Even in the Old Testament, when it says in the book of Genesis, and the world was without form and void. And the Spirit of the Lord was hovering. Is the word brood over? The word brood over is exactly, exactly the position that husband and wife take when they have sexual intercourse. It's, it's exactly, you know, and it's, it's almost scary in our culture to Ha! Mudimu! But I want to show you a revelation. I want to show you a revelation. There's truth to that. Exactly. A man over his wife. Brooding over. It's exactly the same word. Look, there's tova bohu. God broods over, watch, to bring creativity. I'll come back to that. Jesus says, when you pray, when you pray, enter your closet. Those days is the bridal chamber. In our days is the honeymoon suite. When people go on honeymoon, there's only one thing they have in mind. Okay, there is only one top agenda, the others are just... Oh! Yeah, you are there for one week or two weeks. All night, all day, all positions, all places, everywhere. Yeah, I want to say it like that. I want it to sting. And Mamela, as the man, Mamela Mazalan, as the man releases the seed. And the womb receives the seed that comes from the one who's brooding over. Conception happens. And when conception happens, the cycle stops. Listen to me. Some of you, you are going in cycles in your life. You are not going anywhere in your life. You are busy going over the same thing again and again and again and again. God says, why don't you come into my presence and I will release my seed in you and you will become pregnant and you will give life to something. Can I hear an amen in the house? Yeah. Women know this. If you are still at that age where you go through your cycle, the only thing that makes your cycle stop is to be pregnant. But if you don't go pre get pregnant, you go through the same thing at a cycle, whatever time, 21 days, whatever, however your cycle is. 
And some of you, that's all you see in your life. You're going through a cycle of defeat. You're going through a cycle of despair. You're going through a cycle of nothingness. Because you are not going to be in the presence of the Lord and intertwine and let the Holy Spirit brood over you and let the Holy Spirit make you pregnant with vision and for God to stop your cycle. Pray in the Holy Ghost for a while. Pray in the Holy Ghost. See, as you do that, he broods over you. He broods over you. He broods over you. Life-giving Holy Spirit. God is breaking some cycles here tonight. God is breaking some cycles here tonight. You are coming out of seeing the same thing in your life again and again and again. You are going out of making cycles in your life where you're going all along. You're seeing the same thing, experiencing the same thing. May God's spirit come upon your life. Let's close, Mazalat. Let's close. In Proverbs 16, it says, Listen what it says. I love it in the Amplified Bible. Roll your works upon the Lord. Commit your trust wholly to Him. And He will cause your thoughts to be agreeable to His will. As you become intertwined with God, His thoughts become your thoughts. His ways become your ways. God makes you to have the mind of Christ. And he says, and so shall your plans be established and succeed. You know why some of you are not succeeding? Because the things you are doing, God's not involved in them. That's why you always have, you are struggling. You're always in crisis mode. But if you are to allow his vision to be implanted in the womb of your spirit. So that what you conceive as vision is what comes from him. And you think it's your vision. It's a vision that has been inseminated in the womb of your spirit. And because it's something that comes from him and your thoughts are agreeable with his will, when you step out, you succeed. And when you step out, you become established into Zarko Zehamba's soul. Because God is brooding over your life as you wait. Oh, mangre sekere da baba. Ye de bere boning iria sekere tere baba baba. Those who don't know play around with that. Those who don't know they imitate it. They don't know for us. 
This is how we conceived the vision for building this church. This is how I conceived the vision for planting churches. This is how I conceived the vision for going to the stadium. I was on my knees one day. And conception came. Go to the stadium. And when we went to the stadium, God made us succeed. And our plans were established. This is how this prayer meeting came. I was praying one day and I felt in my spirit, why don't you have prayer in January? It's not our great planning. Not our great meetings. And I tell any leader, any leader who's not going to do this, you're going to lead a lifeless organization that's going to struggle with your plans. It's not going to have the life of God in it. I know the difference when God has spoken. I know the difference when God has spawned something. I know the difference when a baby is born of God. When a vision is born of God. I know the difference. Because when it's born of God, He will sustain it. When it's born of God, He will give it life. When it's born of God, it will overcome every opposition. When it's born of God, even if people are against it, it will live without the support of the people. When it's born of God, heaven and earth will pass away, but it will stand forever because it's born of God but it gets born of God as you spend time waiting and finally as you wait and as you wait number two you wait what let's have them will you wait what expectantly number three as you wait longingly number four as you wait as you wait intertwine it leads to the fifth point. Then you will have weight. Not weight, W-A-I-T, but weight, W-E-G-H-T. Then you'll have weight. Let me show you something, Bazalan. In the Old Testament, the word used for the glory of God is the word kabod. And the word kabod means wait. See, when you learn to wait in the presence of God, patiently, longingly, intertwined, wait in His presence, all those things lead you to a point where you start having weight. Why do you have weight? Because as you wait in the presence of God, God puts his glory on you. And that glory makes you to be a weighty person. The word glory also speaks of authority, power. When God created Adam, Mamelang, this is important. He made Adam so different to all the animals that he put his glory on Adam. So that when Adam stepped in, all creation would look at him and say, who's that guy? He looks so much like God. And not only did he look like God, God says, I give you authority. That's weight. Mauma Unestunzi Bayak Saba. 
Oni ntongawe maumange nyao bayaklalela maukuluma There's something about you maumange nyao they know they cannot come against it ngoba unestunzi We are seen That's what God wanted men to carry Wait why Because you are the temple of the Holy Spirit. And God has imparted his glory in you. But the reason that glory is veiled, the reason it's not seen is because we are not waiting in the presence of God and we are not carrying that glory. Let me show you an example. In Acts chapter 5. And I'm closing with that. It says through the hands of the apostles many signs and wonders were done among the people. And they were all with one accord in Solomon's porch. Yet none of them of the rest dared join them but the people of both men and women. Watch. They brought the sick out into the streets. Laid them on beds and couches so that at least Peter's shadow should fall on them. Also the multitude gathered the surrounding city of Jerusalem bringing sick people and those who were tormented by earthly spirit and they were all healed. Mama Namaza. Peter is walking. But it's like around him there's a radius of glory. Magahamba There's a weight, a glory, an authority, a presence of God that if that radius just passes over you, everything that was wrong becomes right. Because of this glory. Over my life I've met people like that. When you meet them, there's just something about the presence of God in their lives mabangena you you can hear nkare bakena le something the opposite is true there are people mabangena wa utlore evil has come in here but not so in your case in the name of jesus benehin when he talks about catherine kulman in such a dramatic way talks about this service that Catherine Kuhlman had and she said they went to the service they were there five hours before the service waiting outside pressing against the doors pressing against the walls waiting for the doors to open when the doors were open they all rushed in you couldn't walk nicely you had to run for a seat he says he sat there and as he sat All of a sudden he felt that there was something in this building. He says in a short while he started shaking. He thought there was something wrong because he was warmly dressed. It wasn't the cold, but he said he tried to stop but he was just shaking uncontrollably. And the, the, the preliminaries were done and almost an hour into the service walks in this woman called Catherine Kuhlman. She he says when this woman walked in it was like there's a presence that came in with her 
Catherine Kuhlman, if you've ever watched any of her tapes, she wasn't one of the greatest preachers. In fact, most of the times, you don't understand what the lady is talking about. But then at a point, you see her countenance change. And Benny, Mirac- Benny Hinn says, we sat there for three hours seeing miracle after miracle after miracle after miracle. No grass, no oil, no water. Just the weight of the glory. I've met people like that. When they come into your car, hold that something. God wants you to be like that. What? Don't you know? Don't you know? Don't you know? That your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who dwells in you. You carry that weight. When you go to work, you don't need to shout and scream for people to listen to you. There's a weight about you. There's just something about you that makes them listen to you. You know what I've learned? This is what people long for in our churches. It's not the nice lights and the sound system and the screens. That's not that. It's not good harmonious music. We need all those things, but that's not what people are looking for. We were there in homemakers. No building, just a roof over our heads. Things not that smooth, but people came even in winter time. In fact, when we were at homemakers, somebody who's a member of our church now told one of my family members, Hore, the first time they came to homemakers, as they stepped into the building, it was like a bucket of electricity was poured over them. They felt this thing all over them. And they... And then afterwards they said, they thought, well, this is what all these people feel. Well, they didn't know in the dump of that building. The cupboard was there. That's what we want. As people who pray, who wait to walk in that glory. God will do that for you. And Father, tonight we are grateful. We give you glory in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Remain seated for a while, Bazalana.